0: Journey of an Aesthete podcast, a comprehensive examination of all things aesthetic, the arts, the humanities, and what it means to be human. So happy to talk to you finally. Yeah, same here. It's been looking, a while. You're yeah, looking, looking forward to it. This is gonna be exciting. Can you hear me okay? Yes I can. What about on your end? You sound beautiful. Great. You, you have a really good connection there, whatever you're whatever you're doing.
1: Okay, well it's nothing fancy. I'm using my uh, Surface uh, Pro uh, laptop. Uh-huh. I'm uh, using the built in mic
2: uh-huh.
1: and and my headphones. I uh I had tried to set up a more elaborate system, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mercer's Law kicked in. I couldn't <laughs> do much
2: You sound fantastic.
1: Hi, right, thanks. Hi, Laura. Hi, there. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm really,
0: um. Uh, so you, I mean, uh, not to get on the, we can get into this subject later, but you are almost practically an engineer, right? I mean, you sound engineer, and you, you've done a lot of work in that department, right?
1: Well, but yes, I've you know, done my share of audio techno, you know, dealing with the technology.
0: Yeah. So, um uh, it's an honor to have uh Sanufu Alhall Jr on my show. Um thematically, uh you fit into the the whole message and, you know, of my show which is um about all the arts and Aesthetic, uh, stylistic, all sorts of diversity in that, and styles of music and languages and all of it. Wow. So um, the thing that's most, I mean, there are many things about you that are noteworthy, pun intended, I think. And, um, <laughs> and uh, But what? one of the things, I don't know what you want to talk about first. I thought maybe we would start with, um, I guess, more of a biographical part, if you want to talk about, you know, your... It's the music you were exposed to in the 50s or 60s, and the, um, you know, it could be, you know, early bra- brass playing and the armed services, and then we, then later on we could talk about some of the, you know, professional things involving, you know, who you played with.
2: I mean, I, so, I
0: yeah, I have to say that uh, first that you you worked with uh, Ray Charles, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, and Freddie Hubbard. Um, those four names are among the greatest of the 20th century, and
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and well, you,
1: yeah, yeah. I was fortunate to uh, be able to uh, get involved with uh, those artists, um, and uh, some others along the same lines. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, uh, I, I, I've been around music uh, in, in some some fashion, you know, from from the very beginning, I mean, you know, starting as a, a youngster, you know, I was uh, either around it or I had family members into it or, uh, you know, I was hearing it or, you mm-hmm. know, people were, people were playing it around me, you know.
0: So at that time, I, I know that you were listening to a lot of the very earliest uh, R&B, but also in the neighborhood. This would have been in Jacksonville, Florida, right?
1: Yes, that that would have been uh, that would have been where the uh, genesis of it would, be, would have been. So and, you're in Northeast Florida.
0: So I'm sure that, of course,
1: that connects you to Ray Charles. Obviously, was also was from Florida, right? Well, you know, uh, Ray Charles was uh, a local uh, phenom before he became famous. I mean, you know, he was. Uh, a legend in Florida before he moved to uh, uh, Seattle. And uh, as a matter of fact, I, I don't know if most people know the story. Uh, you know, he decided to leave, and uh, he just decided to to go to the farthest place on the map from Florida, and he wound up in Washington State.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but, yeah, uh, uh, there were a lot of... Uh, uh, local musicians kicking it around during those days. We're talking like the 50s now. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the first I can remember back is, you know, real, real late 40s, mm. uh, 50s, um, Ray was there, uh, I mean, there were, Jacksonville was like the Harlem of, uh, of, of, of Florida, you know, right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, everybody, everybody came through, mm-hmm. uh, uh, they, there was a vibrant club scene, uh, they had, uh, nightclubs and, uh, concert halls, you know, and of course it was segregated then, so, uh, you know, uh, they were musicians that, uh, you know, you would have to, you know, go on the other side of the town to hear and some musicians would come from this side of the town to mm-hmm. hear, you know, so it was kinda like that. Right. So was your was your fir- was your
0: first instrument a brass instrument?
1: Uh, well Well, not really. I, I you know, I mean I I fool around, you know. I I had I had an uncle that was a bebop drummer, so uh, you know, I I messed around with his drums. Uh, I, I played around with a lot of different instruments. It was not until uh, it was not until my junior high school mm-hmm. years, uh, early teen years, that I decided to uh, I started leaning towards the trombone as mm-hmm. my main instrument. Although I always did play other instruments, you know, keyboards mm-hmm. and. So, you know, I mean I fooled around with everything. I just wanted to know how instruments work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that, that was probably pretty important later on when you started doing some heavy arranging. Which For you've sure. got to composing because you already had a command from the uh, performer's experience.
2: For sure. Of, of how
0: the, the, you know, the ranges of various instruments. and, and You sure. know, as far as I know, maybe that went back to even in the Drum and Bugle Corps or, or I don't know, a Wind Ensemble. I know that you did some things like that too, right? So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I did.
0: And that would have been in Florida, right?
1: Yes, yes, I uh, uh I had a chance to do some traveling. You know, I mean, my father was a uh, Air Force uh, career man, so uh, I got a chance to uh, you know go to a few different places and experience the music there, um, and I was lucky to uh, even. Uh, travel abroad, uh, you know, earlier on, I went to Paris, uh, mm-hmm. London, uh, I lived in the New England area, mm-hmm. uh, my, my, uh, he, my dad was stationed, uh, at, uh, in Massachusetts at Westover Air Force Base, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, so I mean, I, I, I had a chance to soak a lot in, mm-hmm. in my early years.
0: So what comes to mind when you think about some of the excellent musicians in the armed forces and, and when you were in the band or were you, was that what comes to pops in your mind when you think about that at that time? Well, well,
1: we're moving from, from, from the time I, I finished high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went straight uh, into the military music program, the army band. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate enough, well, you know, the draft was going on in those days. That's right. And, uh, in order to, uh, avoid being sent anywhere to be placed on doing anything, I went ahead and volunteered, Mm -hmm. a buddy, a buddy of mine, and I, we went ahead and volunteered and we were promised that we would get a, a band assignment if we, if we, uh, enlisted instead of being drafted. So, uh, that would have been my late teenage years, but, uh, I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina, for basic training. Uh, they had a band program there. I didn't meet too many musicians there, but afterwards, I went to the Naval School of Music. Oh wow! And uh, it, was, it was at that time it was in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: and uh, it was it was the Anacostia Naval Air Station.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, there. Uh, i met all kinds of guys. Uh, you see, what, what was happening in those days was uh, the, there were a lot of guys that were playing with big bands. I mean, major big bands like uh, Lionel Hampton. Or Sly Hampton. Know that. Uh, 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 Duke Ellington. Right. They, I mean, guys were playing in, uh, you know, big Woody Herman. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were a lot of big bands working. Mm-hmm. And those guys were of draft age. That's right. So a lot of those guys were getting drafted. And, and so the mecca for those guys would have been the Naval School of Music. That's where they wound up. We had four or five jazz bands there. Wow.
0: Well, the music must have been really on the highest level. If oh,
1: they, if was, they were if, if, they,
0: if they were the people in the, in the Basie Band or the Morty Herman Band. Because oh, yeah, those yeah. bands were incredible.
1: I mean well, that's some yeah. Some of the some of the guys we had were uh uh I remember uh were uh guys like that I met during that time were guys like Bob Shu, mm. uh Vince Prudente, uh, uh George Davis, Jim Trimble, mm. uh Andy Innis, uh Harriet Blue. Oh wow, <laughs>
2: You know, I
1: That's mean, and, and look, I, I I I just scratched the surface with those guys, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were, see, there were guys there that were not only uh, from jazz organizations, but, you know, guys from major symphony orchestras were there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? So, we got a chance to kind of rub shoulders with guys that could really play,
2: <laughs> Yeah,
1: and, that had that have different uh, areas of uh, expertise. So, so, you know, it, it, was, it was a fun experience. And then, of course, uh, after that, uh, you, you, you go out to your, your band uh, that they assign you to after you finish your school training. Band, they call it bandsman band training.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so I went out to uh, the Midwest. Uh, I was based in Denver Colorado uh, actually uh, Fort carson with the Colorado Springs. Well,
0: Denver Colorado is where Cedar Walton is from
2: correct is
1: i didn't i didn't didn't realize that but I do mm-hmm. know that uh, I met a lot of great local musicians uh, from that area uh-huh. uh, but the most important thing about being in that area was uh there were so many military bands in in a small geographical area
2: mm-hmm.
1: they had uh I was stationed at Fort Carson, we had two bands there we had uh uh the fifth division band which I was in and uh uh they had a post band uh and one of the guys in the post band was Odell brown by the way he wow. was uh you know, from Odell and the organizers, and, he, right. and, and he also uh, uh, co-wrote and worked with me with Marvin Gaye. Also, later later on in life, we met uh, met again. But I mean,
0: we're definitely uh, going to get back to that. But that was that the late seventies Marvin Gaye of uh, that, that you were part
1: of. Well, like, oh yeah, yeah. I, that was when I was a part of Marvin Gaye with uh, uh, the late 70s. Yeah, My, because that's I, a, I met yeah. I met Odell in the early uh early early 60s and i mean they had uh, uh a lot of uh, the Norad band was out there mm-hmm. uh you know that was a a, a big band uh for a jazz band, and the uh air force academy had a band so uh, uh it was very active in the, in the uh, this was all in the uh <clears throat> i was in the early mid 60s do you mind me asking you a
0: technical question about the kind of charts and arrangements you were doing? Was it in terms of the the kind of music, and, and you know, were there swain charts or or even eighth charts, or, all, or maybe a whole gamut or military music, or what were the what were the different, what was some of the music that at that time that you, these bands were playing or, or mm-hmm. arranging, or you mean in, in the military <laughs> in band? general? Yeah, and those in the, in that.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. the the military bands. Uh... There were a lot of upcoming arrangers, so there were guys that were writing charts, but uh, the military uh, music library was vast. I mean, we had all kinds of charts by, uh, you know, all of the writers that were uh, 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 writing uh, charts for big bands and arrangements for big bands, all of the guys that you probably know about. uh, uh you know, the uh, Neil Hefty. The Cy uh, Oliver. Uh, yeah, 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 Everybody that was writing, all, all of the standard big band charts, the, the the military, libraries, all of the bands had those charts. So you know, we had a lot to choose from. Uh, and then guys in the band would eventually write a, a chart or two. Uh, and uh, we would hire local arrangers to write for the band. Uh, well, uh, did you write?
0: But, did you write at that time, or was it was it when you went to Ray Charles' band when you started writing, or was it?
1: Well, I, I was. I, I, I wrote a few. I took my my shot at a few big band charts, uh-huh. but mainly what I was writing at that time was small group stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, quintets and right. you know like uh, jazz, uh, small small ensemble stuff.
0: I mean, I got to say, I've been listening to all of your stuff getting ready for the show, and it's all so good. And and the diversity of music, I mean, especially the, well, of course, all the Henry Franklin stuff. And then, all the, the, you know, um, and a, lot, a lot of it is small group, but uh, your small group writing is very compositional. You know, it's very much like, you know, not too different than um, what I would imagine somebody running for a larger group. In terms of its, you know, focus, and in terms of the, you know, yeah. the, the colors,
1: well, and, and, and yeah, the, yeah. well, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, I studied, you know, uh uh I, I studied. I, I went to uh after I got out the military. I, I You know, I went to school. You know, I mean, I studied com, I studied comp- composition, arranging, and, and you know, I mean, I knew, you know, I knew you had to, you know, have some form with what you were doing. You know, you had to know, you yeah. know some. Theory and you know you yeah. you know you want to really stand out as a writer you know you had to have some chops so I mean I I, I put in my share of studying you know
0: <laughs> yeah well you know it's funny because I, I I I'm sure you have favorite arrangers from that time but what what arrangers if you have to think of uh, this this person's charts <laughs> oh wow with, no this person uh, for example somebody would write really good for Bone uh really write good uh part writing, or this person stands out for this, or this person's great for ballads, or this person's great for up-tempo, anything come to mind in terms of uh, that, you, that you like, or special? Well, I, you know, the,
1: uh, Bone writers were the guys that played Bone. Uh, Sly Hampton, JJ, uh, Kay Winden, uh, those guys were, were good Bone writers. Uh, most of the big band stuff that we were playing with, uh, uh, you know, most of the trombone parts were were written, you know, pretty well. I mean, you know, I, everybody that we have played the trombone, Oliver Nelson, uh, uh, you know, even the trombone that, that were by uh, the Duke's band played or, wow. uh, or that, uh, the basic band played or the head arrangements. Uh, uh, you know, I was soaking it up, man. I didn't really, I didn't really lean towards anybody in particular, you know, what I mean, it's, if it caught my
0: ear, I was on it. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was the military period of it. And, but so what biographically were you coming out of armed forces music? And then of course, t- starting to tour with larger groups or name people or what does that t- take me through after that in terms of that, that, uh, progression into that. Say with well, Ray Charles in the early seventies or in between or what you know, well,
1: you know, Well after the military, uh that would have been mid sixties, okay? That would that would have been uh when I ended my military career and uh like I said, from from maybe sixty five to sixty eight I was in and out of college, uh, you know, either at Florida A and M or mm-hmm. it, FSU, mm-hmm. and while while I was in the military, I, I also took classes, uh, you know, from from like Colorado State, wherever wherever I was stationed, I found a music program and and took uh, and took mm-hmm. adjunct classes, the private lessons from somebody. Else. I was always studying, you know.
0: Well, I know I'm speaking for myself. in the mid '70s, as a young teen, actually child, in the late '70s. Um, I went to music things at FSU, um, so I'm sure they still have a good program. I guess I guess it, uh, I imagine they were known for that.
1: Yeah, I had a, time. I had a good time. We didn't have at that particular time. We didn't really have that much of a jazz band, but we had a group that uh, was pretty noted, uh, the uh, Florida Jazz Quintet. We uh, had members from. Uh, Florida A&M and Florida State in the same band, and uh, we played at the uh, 1966 Newport Jazz Festival. Oh wow! Yeah, we uh, John Hammond, Hmm. John John Hammond got us a gig there because we had gone over to uh, Mobile, Alabama, to the um, College Jazz Festival, and we we swept everything. You know, Mm -hmm. we took it. <laughs> we took everything so uh, John Hammond was impressed mm-hmm. and uh he got us a gig at the Newport Jazz Festival, got in touch with Joey and wing wow. and got us up there and you know, got us a few side man gigs at Columbia Records, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, playing, you know, doing some bad stuff up there. Mm-hmm. uh and, and then we, uh, came back, but, but as far as, uh, well, you know, Florida AM, first of all, that, you know, they had one of the greatest marching bands, uh, you know, and still does. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I didn't really take part in that too much, but I was real tight with the guy that was arranging, doing all the arranging, Wayman Mickens. He taught me a lot. Huh. He, he was the arranger for, for the Florida, Florida AM. Then I transferred to Florida State. And, uh, you know, when I got over there, I started, you know, taking composition classes and, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of stuff, trying to get my chops together, you know? Uh, and uh, I played, like, in the concert band and in the school symphony orchestra. You know, I mean, I was just trying to soak it all in to see where it was going to take me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, so that was, you know, that would have been... Uh, that would have been like the late sixties, and then after that, I uh, I migrated back to Jacksonville, and uh, you know, kicked it around. Mm-hmm. I had a band, I uh, did some uh, producing. I, I, that's where I first started producing and arranging with with the uh, Rhythm and Blues group.
0: Yeah, t- talk a little bit about that because I lo- of course, I love all that music, and I was curious what what bands you had and what kind of songs you were doing, and or just
1: anything that comes to mind, or.
2: Yeah, well, I I had a I had a
1: a band uh, that was kind of like uh, blood, sweat, and tears. uh, You know, a band that played all all kinds of you know rock and jazz and and that kind of thing. And uh, then I uh, worked with a lot of local rhythm and blues names, uh, uh, Hank Hodge. Mm -hmm. Uh, We. You know, it, it, some of the some of the music, amazingly, right. some of the music is is still you can still find it on the internet, and I'm surprised that okay. some of the, the some of those uh, 45s that we did are still being sold. I mean, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but uh, there was a vibrant music scene here, in Jacksonville, at the time. Mm-hmm. A, lot, a lot of jazz, a lot of jazz, too. So
0: all along, you've always been doing all these styles of music. You were doing these rhythm and blues uh, things, but you were always doing also doing acoustic jazz or uh, with a, I imagine with a three horn lineup in some cases, right? Like a right? like a jazz messengers with the trumpet and yeah, sax yeah, exa- and bones, exactly, exactly, you know, exactly. Which is yeah. a really but for audiences that don't know or people don't know, that's a very exciting um, thing to do from a composition a raging point of view because the trumpet, sax, and bone things you can do. In terms of the part writing,
1: and there's a lot there. A lot of mm-hmm. people you know, yeah. do with that. Yeah, I I enjoyed that. You 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 know you learn a lot writing because you have to uh, you know I mean you have to to make everything fit. I mean you know you limit it as far as what you have to work with. I mean you know you got three voices, mm-hmm. you know up front, and you got your rhythm section. Uh, I, I I always like to experiment a little bit, though. I mm-hmm. used to like like to uh, make sure that uh, the guys were doubling up. Uh, mm-hmm. The instrumentation was a little different at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the more variety we could have, the better off I feel.
0: Mm-hmm. So that gave I guess that gave you a lot of experience playing playing. Um, from a from a part writing perspective, and of so knowing this is we have to double this line, compositional tricks and and figures and things. Learning about that. Um, so so you you and then you when, do you want to talk about Ray Charles or is it is it time or is it? Well, to, uh, what what
1: happened with uh, leading up to that? Uh, I, I I I decided to uh, uh, that I had done what I could do in, in, in Northeast Florida. So, uh, you know, I was going to make a move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, you know, I, 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 went to New York for, for a minute. I mean, I mean a minute, mm-hmm. less than a month. Yeah. And, uh, I, I just, you know, I mean, it was fantastic. All the musicians were fantastic and everything, but it just wasn't me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Uh, so and, and you know, I know what they say about that, so but I went I went to LA yeah. and uh, because yeah. I had I had buddies out there. Yeah. And uh I I wound up th- I wound up moving west, you know. Well you uh, made
0: you made a good decision because that period in Los Angeles music was a was a fantastic period. Yeah, no, that's not as you know, right. there's nothing no other city has anything on, on the on that, you know, I mean I mean just uh yeah. So you're saying you made the move to Los Angeles before Ray Charles, before joining uh, the, the Ray Charles. Uh,
1: yeah, orchestra. yeah. As a matter of fact, what you just said and what I just said is, uh, I was just looking uh, at a uh, interview with Oscar Bashir mm. and he said the same thing. He, yeah. he said, "Hey man, I I was gonna go to New York, and I moved to L.A. And when I got to L.A., all the cats of New York were moving out to L.A." <laughs> Yeah, you know JJ Johnson, Benny Golson. Oh man, you know, uh, so he said, I, you know, why I need to move to New York. <laughs> you well, know. you
0: you mentioned Oscar Bashir. What a sound he he uh, just tone phrasing and tone. Oh people man, people like that they just they're memorable.
1: Oh and man, they, he,
0: yeah.
1: What <laughs> a what a underrated cat, beautiful cat too, man. Huh. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the way, that the, that one of the, the the first big gigs I had in L.A. though know, was uh, well I mean you know I, I'm Doug Carn
2: mm.
1: who we used to play around here in Jacksonville all the time huh. and and and, rocker, and and rhythm and blues bands hmm. and uh, you know we kept into it, I didn't even know he was in L.A. I knew he was had moved on and uh, I ran into him. Uh, up in Hollywood on the street. And he, he told me he needed a trombone player for his first album on black jazz. Yep. So uh, that's how that started. And the way I got with Ray Charles, it was also because of somebody from, from my home, mm-hmm. uh, uh, was was uh, Billy Moore. Oh, the, yeah. The percussionist, yeah, the drummer. Great. Yeah,
2: he's great.
1: You know, Billy Moore had been playing drums with Ray Charles off and on for... Several years prior to that, but he had left the band, mm-hmm. and uh, he knew that I needed a gig, so uh, he contacted uh, Ray and his his orchestra, Leroy Cooper, mm-hmm. and uh, got me a uh, you know got me an audition, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I mean I almost didn't make that band or didn't. Didn't take that gig because you know I wanted to uh, you know I I wanted to play the to play in the solo seat you know yes, or the third part or the second part the only part they had available was the uh, lead lead trombone part mm-hmm. so uh, I went ahead and auditioned for that and I I made it but in that same band mm-hmm. going going through the same problem. Was Steve Turi. Oh wow! Steve huh. Turi wanted to play one of the other one of the solo chairs too, mm-hmm. but see, they, they already had guys long-time Ray Charles players in those seats. So Steve Turi wound up playing bass trombone,
2: okay,
1: in the same band. So that mm-hmm. that was our that, he, Steve Turi and I were in the same trombone section with Ray Charles. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's a great,
0: great sound. There's so much, so much for, for, that you could talk about those years and I'm just going to kind of go over some, some, um, kind of, uh, uh, chapter headings here. So, um, the music, the scores that he was doing at that time, charts, uh, you know, cause it was different periods at that time. It would be different than say late seventies or I'm sure he would do some classic charts in the sixties. Right. Um, but he was doing some things also unique to that period. Uh, Ray Charles. Yes. Um, the first, mm-hmm. But the thing that comes to mind first are his tempos, which are incredible. Mm. Uh, of course, he's known for his ballads—the power. Mm. The power yeah. Anything you want to talk about the special way that you folks played ballads in uh, that time, or how it's just a whole other th- uh, topic of conversation, right? So.
1: Well, first of all, the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, that that Ray Charles book was monstrous. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, uh, you know, I had never seen a book like that. I mean, he had charts uh, that he had been doing in the fifties in there, you know, uh, and, uh, any arranger that you, that was worth the song had a chart in that book, Mm -hmm. Quincy uh, had stuff in there. Uh, N- Neil Hefty, Uh Oliver Nelson, uh, Alf Carson. Uh, I-, I mean, you know, and who, if you were a ranger, you had you had a Charlie raid book. Uh, and some of the some of the charts I don't need. I could they didn't even have credit for who did the arrangement. But there were some monster monster charts in that right. in that book and, uh, you know, uh, Sid Fella. I mean, you know, they had uh, Renee Hall, they, uh, you know, they had all kinds of charts in the book, but as far as the ballads go, uh, I, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. First of all, uh, I don't recall ever playing a, a ballad, and we, you know, we we played gigs every night a lot of times. I I don't really recall the ballad being played the same every time. I mean it was close to being the same. Huh. But it was it always had some different nuances. And uh Ray could play a ballad so slow, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the tempo died. There was no tempo.
2: Yeah, and it had almost a you know,
1: free a free floating quality too, yeah, it. it was but it was, was no, th- yeah. It had to I mean I, I I've That's heard him tell guys uh, uh, especially in the rhythm section, just just wipe my foot. Uh-huh. Just, just, just wipe my foot, you'll be all right. Oh, yeah. Listen, somebody here to write my
2: mother? Sure, honey, she. Heard
1: Parts of the tempo, the different sections of the band. I mean, it, it, it was an amazing thing uh, working with Ray Charles and dealing with ballads. Uh, I mean, he uh, he was a master at it. So, so, that,
2: was it,
0: so you basically learned on the gig, I guess, as much as rehearsing, right? You sort of you figured out what his uh, his signs or his coat, his um, his uh, using his body to demonstrate things and. I guess over time you sort of get the chart, and you see. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: It, it it took a lot of rehearsal, but the main thing was you just had to learn how to communicate it. Huh. You know, uh, you you had to read the chart. That was kind of secondary. Uh huh. You know, uh, that band that band was the master. That band played. Uh, I love that band because oh, yeah, it played dynamic. We played dynamic. You know, yeah. we we I mean, you know, we made the band a a a picture. You know, you know, we we made the band do things. You know, with different sounds coming out of the band. Uh, all of the musicians were aware of that. So uh, yeah. there were times when the band would get on a level that when everybody knew that we had reached that level. That was just a a beautiful feeling.
2: Wow.
1: And Ray would let us know. I mean, Ray was not the kind of guy that uh, uh, complimented your, you know, all the time and throwing out compliments. You know, you were expected to do your job. Right. But once in a while, you know, something would happen in that band and Ray would turn around and, and we that would be our clue that we knew we had hit a high point. You know, Ray would turn around and give the band a compliment. You know, like... Uh, uh, I like that fella. Real nice on on stage. That's good. Uh, That's good. When he did that, we knew we had uh, we had reached it. I I have some cassette tapes of oh, um, wow. a, a couple of times that we did that. Uh, if I can locate those, I'll see if I can uh, uh, get you a copy oh. so you can you well, can hear what I'm talking about. Oh, I'll
0: listen to it. You know, I, I if you can find it because you. So he liked your charts. He wrote some charts uh, based on Isaac Hayes, right? Is that true? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I did. I. Uh, you did Bumpy's I,
0: Blues, or did you do another one? Or
1: I did uh, Bumpy's Blues and No Name Bar. Okay, from 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 Shaft. From Shaft. Yeah. Uh, and and I, asked, I asked Leroy, and I asked Ray, if uh, at that time we were doing a lot of gigs uh, with. Uh, with rhythm and blues groups, you know, and you know that, that they had that young audience, you know. That's right. And uh, you, you know, I, I, you know, I just asked if I just thought, and at that time, the movie was so, the movie and the soundtrack was so popular. Oh, that was so big, and that you know, was, oh yeah that so, was I, so I, I thought that, that that would be a good addition for the band. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also thought that as time went by, it would be a good way to look back, Yep, you know, yep. so uh, I was able yep. to do those and uh, thankfully the charts came out pretty good. We, you know, we played them when it was appropriate, you know, like if we were at a, a, a jazz festival or mm-hmm. uh, if we were at a, a festival where they had uh, uh, some of the popular Motown groups on it or something, you know, where there would might be a younger crowd, mm-hmm. uh, we would play it. Uh, we didn't play those too much when we, you know, did, uh, you know, a lot of the standard concerts, uh, yeah. you know, because we had songs that were more appropriate, I thought, uh, for yeah. those. But having the, having us the have two charts in a book uh, with all those other uh, bigger ranges, you know, with a you know, with a, a, a good thing for me.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, I love to hear them. Of course, I don't know if you have a.
1: It probably was never recorded, but uh... they they were never recorded. I I I don't know if I have a concept of a rehearsal of them or not, uh-huh. but uh, they were they were well received because uh, you know we, the guys. Uh, uh, the sax players got a chance. All of them had got a chance to play flute. Oh yeah, double. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. yeah. And uh, we had, uh, uh, you know, we had the organ. Uh, we had a, you know, we had the gray playing, and then we had a big B three, and hmm. uh, you know, so it it it, it was uh, it was sounding a lot like the, you know, like the record was sounding, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, that's.
0: I mean, that that's rigid, that score is such a good score.
1: The whole score, you know, of that movie. I really
0: yeah, that score. yeah.
1: There was, was a lot of guys on that. Uh, a lot of a lot of arrangers on did different charts on that. Uh, I think uh, Benny Golson was involved. Yeah. Uh, Oliver Nelson might have been involved. I know JJ was involved. I believe Freddie Hubbard was on that soundtrack.
0: Is that true? Good man.
1: Yeah, there were a lot of there were a lot of different players on that. Uh, you know, uh, I did I actually did the arrangement from a. Uh, uh, I just went to the music store and got the book. You know, <laughs> the uh, piano score book. It had the few cues on there, and I just listened to the record. And uh-huh. you know, I did the arrangement from a, a piano. You know those books they used to sell in the music store, mm-hmm. you know, lead sheets or whatever, your song books,
2: yeah.
1: you know, had the bass line and the chords and the melodies, you know. Yeah.
0: sink but what did you encounter Gunther Shooter scores? Because I know, remember you telling me you liked his writing a lot, and I know I had a, I had a one master class with Gunther Shooter myself wow. when I was in the Union
1: Conservatory, so was that about the same time? Or that- actually, actually, believe it or not, I, I discovered the Gunther Shooter stuff uh, way before that. I, mm-hmm. I discovered his stuff in high school.
2: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, we had, we had a brass... Uh, we had we had a we had a brass and percussion ensemble and uh we used to listen to all kinds of music and uh you know we we used to listen to uh this music for brass by Symphony for brass and percussion by Gunther Schuller, and uh music by hall overton and mm-hmm. jamie jufrey and you know we used to listen to them those guys you know used to venture out and do brass music you know mm-hmm. So that's really when I thought start, I started listening to those guys
0: early on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how how long were you with Ray Charles before uh, you started to work with uh, the Black Jazz label? And you could talk about that, that great label and Gene Russell or anything that comes to mind and meeting, yeah. meeting Henry Franklin, and that that's a that's a big chunk of uh, work. There. Yeah. It's
1: a, a large well, I, I only actually worked for uh, the Ray Charles uh, uh, band for one season, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and um, I mean, I was like, I was, that, that was already like a BS degree right there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to stay kind of, you know, I didn't, that road is something, you know, so, yeah you know, I had been on the road that time. I had never really been on the road that long. Uh, So, uh, you know, after that season with Ray, uh, I decided to go, you know, stay close around LA and try to do, you know, session work and, you know, get gigs whenever I could, you know. And uh, like I said, you know, when I did Doug Carr's album, uh, Henry Franklin was the bass player. I had never met none of these guys. Huh. Was that Infinite
0: Eyes or another album? Yeah, yeah Infinite, Infinite Eyes. Eyes, yeah. It's a wonderful yeah. album.
1: Yeah. Henry Franklin was the bass player. And Henry Franklin said, "Uh man, I you know, uh I don't need a combo, uh but I need I, you know, I, I need uh a, a, a song for for my I'm doing a black jazz album too." Huh. And uh, and I need a song. I think he asked Doug first, and Doug said I, I don't have nothing. To ask my homeboy Al, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I said, yeah, man, I'll write something for you. You know, just give me the instrumentation. I, I, I was looking for chances to write anyway. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just I, so I wrote a song for him on his album, his first album. It was uh, it was called Theme for Jojo. You know, after I did that, then uh, Gene Russell started getting interested and I started getting a lot of work on Black Jazz label. You know, I, I did some albums with Henry, with the Calvin mm-hmm. Keys. Uh,
0: well, I know Calvin Keys. you wrote an Effervescence, and I think his the name of it. Y-
1: yeah, I wrote something for him. Uh, I didn't write anything on Chester Thompson's album, but I played with Chester Thompson's on the album on, uh, Black Gas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I did a, we did a lot of stuff that never got released. Uh, huh. you know, uh, Kelly Patterson, uh, I did some stuff for her. I did, uh, Marcia Santos' song for her, uh, Nana, uh, uh, I, I did some stuff for Gene Russell's uh, one of his albums, so they had a lot of stuff that they didn't release. But yeah, there are a lot of stuff in huh. the vault. I don't know what ever happened to it. Because, so, you, so uh, you're saying for
0: every everything we know about, like talk to the lady or um, or uh, something, proceed with caution. Or there was there was these other things in the vault that weren't.
1: There? Oh oh yeah yeah wow. yeah yeah there was there was uh, plenty of other stuff. You know, plenty of other stuff. You know, uh I was uh, even, you know, and talked with him about doing something for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, his untimely death uh, mm-hmm. you know, kinda kinda destroyed the label. No one really knew how to, you know, grab it and, 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 and keep it going, which is a shame because uh, you know, it had a good roster mm-hmm. and uh it was uh it was a solid label. I mean, it was the strata east of the West.
0: That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I mean if I sit at home and I played a Jimmy Heath album, you know, like a Heath Brothers thing, and then put on a Henry Franklin album, I feel like there's not, you know, there's a real continuity there.
2: I feel it. Yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. We
1: have we had similar approaches, uh similar approaches to it. Uh and then uh you know, we you know, we tried to to revive it. Uh, uh Dick Sher had the uh the master label uh, which was ovation and I was in Chicago and uh you know, so it was hard to communicate, you know, you didn't have any internet or nothing back then. Yeah.
2: No.
1: So uh, uh I and I think uh, I think they had they had some groups out of Chicago that continue to record uh uh, a few times, uh, a, a few more black jazz albums, but then the label just folded for good. But the label is still, you know, the, the music from the label is, is
0: people still like that, that music. That's right. Well, I know I played a couple on this show. I'm mean, going to play Blue Light and played um, Soft Spirit, mm. another good one. Those are two, and, and, uh, and there's more, of course. But those are, really, yeah. Those, yeah. are really, those are really strong. Yeah. You know, the Tribal Dance. Well, I mean, oh, that, yeah, Well, yeah, Tribal Dance, because if you're playing on it, the, the writing. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to say about that, that record label? It's in terms of its origins or um, it's uh, just anything that comes to mind or, or anything about your own particular writing? Because I've been listening to a lot of your music and you developed your own style in terms of a harm, harmonic sense. Mm. It's very open. And it's not this cliched thing of you know always going to the tonic and all this. And this kind of very, it's very, it's very um, yeah. it's very uh, um, exciting and very satisfying to the ear mm. coloristically. Uh, partly because of the way you write changes and and rhythmically, and you know you don't o- you don't overwrite. That's the I thing I like about your writing. Well, the tunes you write are not overwritten. Mm, yeah, they have a nice. Mm-hmm. They have a nice. Uh, they have a nice uh, harmonic rhythm is very what i like
2: i know
1: i can say that uh black jazz actually what black jazz was going into happened on the uh album like uh, travel dance and that was done on another label i think that was uh uh oh. that that was done on uh uh I can't remember what what label that was on, but it wasn't Black Jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did we did that uh, with another producer, but uh, that was basically that was Catalyst, right? Cat- yeah, Catalyst.
2: Yeah,
1: Cat- Catalyst. Yeah. So uh, that would have been uh, uh, where the where the music was going. I mean, you know, we were we we were each album. Uh, you know, everything we did was. With the was the step, you know, we, we we were we were going, we were making progress as we went, you know. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, as far as my writing is concerned, you know, I, I always try to pay attention to detail, and uh, you know, I'm you know, I'm always conscious of, you know, the theory in it, you know, the harmonic movement and voicings and. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I I try to, you know, I try to take care of the elements. You know, make you know not just throw something together. You know, I try to, you know, it's, it's a it's a definite effort to uh, uh, to do something unique every time I, I write something. You know. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's uh, that, that's kind of kind of where where that goes. But I draw everything. You know, I mean, I. You know, I draw on, I mean, whatever, you know, I mean, I draw on classical stuff and, you know, I mean, I, you know, I listen to, you know, how things, what, you know, what counterpoint is about, you know, things moving in different directions, you know, I just, just try to uh, make it interesting. That's
2: right.
1: So, uh, did you also do,
0: so then when did uh, Liquid, I know you were on the Liquid Love album on
1: Columbia. Um, yeah, I, just, I did a couple of albums with Freddie on Columbia. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I did that uh, uh, Liquid Love and uh, I don't know I, I did another album with, with Freddie on, on Columbia. I can't remember which one it was, but Liquid Love was uh, like uh, you know, I started playing with Freddie uh, when he would come to the West. When he, I mean, he'd be using, he didn't want to take the trombone and play on on the road with, you know, he would want to travel with a trombone. Mm -hmm. So, whenever he was playing on the West Coast, you know, most of the time he'd give me a call. Mm -hmm. You know, because I knew a lot of the music and I had played some stuff with him and, uh, you know, I had hung out with him and, uh, uh, so when he, he, they were going to do some of Liquid Love in New York, but when they started doing the West Coast, uh, he gave me a call, you know, to come in and 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 do the trumpet because they had him and cables. They had George mm-hmm. cables. They had written some some trombone parts, you know. Right. And uh they had me and the synthesizer play, uh, I think you know Underwood or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, they had to. They brought in some extra players for that. But yeah, working with Freddie on that, and consequently working with him on. uh uh, you know some uh gigs, you know, like at the Roxy Oh you
0: played with Freddie
1: Hubbard at the Roxy. Yeah, yeah. Was yeah. it was it the
0: material roughly the same material, the same period? You just took it off. Yeah,
2: and... yeah we played was kind of the same material.
1: We, we played at the Roxy, the lighthouse, uh, you know, up in San Francisco, yeah. you know, what, what, uh, were, down, those, what, what were those when, whenever he swung west
0: Right. What were those different rooms like? Because I imagine playing the Roxy is different than playing in another place in terms of acoustics, or in terms of what was
1: like. What was that so? Well, yeah. I, I mean, they were they were they were just they were clubs, man. You know, they were like intimate clubs. You know, like the Roxy was was a rock and roll place. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah.
2: Like,
1: <laughs> you know, I mean. People, I, I don't, it was just people were right there, man. You know, it was, uh, they were right up on the bandstand. You know, after, most of the places had good sound system because, you know, they had rock bands coming in there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, uh, the lighthouse was different. It was more of an intimate jazz room. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played the troubadour, mm-hmm. uh, uh, some clubs in the, out the valley, uh, and you know each, each club had its own thing, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, each, each club had its own uh, own thing, own, own vibe to it. Uh,
0: now, when 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 uh, when when Freddie's band was in there doing some of these charts, like say Ebony Moonbeams, I don't know off of uh, High Energy or um, something from Liquid Love, would he would he stretch out more in performance? I'd imagine the solos it would be kind of. I imagine he would he would stretch things out a little bit.
2: Yeah, well, on the
0: gig,
2: yeah, yeah, on
1: the gig, uh, you know, Freddie, Freddie was uh, high energy, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, he he was just, you know, I mean, you never knew what what would happen with with Freddie, but uh, now when uh, you say you
0: never knew what happened, you mean in terms of what tunes you would call or tempos or things like that or other things or. Just know, well you...
1: well no when he when he played, I mean you know when when he played uh, because you know he fell off he fell heavily off the rhythm section, especially the drums,
2: hmm.
1: and uh I mean you know he uh, you know he would turn around and ask the drums for more mm-hmm. uh, and the uh, drums would be bashing up a breeze, and uh-huh. You know, uh yeah, he he stressed out, in other words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much different on gig
0: than he did on records. Yeah, I only experienced him live uh, later on in his career, not that early.
1: Yeah. So I never got yeah,
0: to, I never, was... the earliest I got to hear him was maybe 78.
2: Mm. Uh, but not this,
0: yeah. Yeah, but not this period you're talking about, because that's at this Columbia years.
1: Those that was some... a little before, just a little before that. Yeah. That was just a little before that. I yeah, think that was probably, probably the missed everything.
0: Were there Perhaps, things, well, things musically that reminded you of being with Ray Charles or differences or anything in terms of, anything that comes to mind in terms of the way the rhythm section liked to play or uh, just, you know, there's a lot of uh, musical details that to me are interesting. I don't know about...
1: Well, what you mean with Ray Charles? Or no, just comparing, any, comparing different
0: comparing different people. Like so, so.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I know Rachel,
1: yeah. You wind up, you wind up, you know, knowing what what they expect from different guys, and and really looking forward to it, or you know, getting excited about it, or yeah. you know, if it fell into where you were musically or not, like. You know like working with a Dugu, uh you, you know or a sonship or uh, you know working with different drummers uh-huh. uh, uh you know working with different keyboard players huh. you know you 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 know you would know how you, you know you learn how they comped, you you learn how they did voicings and you know it it, it was always a a, a different thing and of course you you know you you have your favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, fortunately, most of the guys they all they always brought something to, to something good to the table. I, I I do know that when I was writing for for Henry Franklin, for instance, uh, my arrangements they never really came out the way I expected them to. They were always some personal stuff that somebody would do mm-hmm. that that kind of. They kind of take it in a, a, another direction. Most of the time, I was pleased with it. Right. I mean, there was some times that I would have wanted it, you know, more like I wanted it. But uh, I, I, the guys were so good, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say anything about it because, you know, what they did was fine anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and it was interpretation, you know. You have to give guys room to interpret.
0: Well, the decision to do that is built into the music itself, right? That's in a way that's part of the
1: composition. You know, is that you're going to do that? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, Well, you know, there's some there's some guys that that, you know that will stop. No, they want it just like they want it. Okay. You know, I mean, they. You know, I mean, I, 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 you know, they're guys that's more picky than others. Uh
2: huh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, I like to I like to kind of let the music go where where it goes, as long as it doesn't stray too far off, you know. Mm-hmm. I like the music to kind of go, uh, uh, you know, that you take its own, uh, take its own route. Yeah.
0: So you, so that's part of the journey, yeah. So you, went, and when were you, so then you were with Marvin Gaye in 78 or when?
2: Yeah, around that, around that time, 77. 77, so that
0: was the got to give it up period, right?
2: Well,
1: uh, you know, I always said, look, uh, you know, I, I always wanted to experience, you know, the guys that were the masters. I don't yeah. care whether it was the jazz. Yeah. What, what, you know, I, I wanted to experience the guys that were masters. Mm-hmm. Well, you did. Yeah. You're yeah, talking my, about my, the best people. Yeah, my, Marvin Gaye was a master, and, mm-hmm. uh uh you know, uh getting a chance to work with him uh it was in a setting where it wasn't a big band, but it wasn't a small group. I mean, it was like a a, a little big band, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, we, we got a chance to play some good music.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And the most important thing was uh, I got a chance to, uh, you know, get to know Marvin a little bit personally, you know. And, uh, that's something I, I treasure, uh, because, uh, Marvin, uh, was much more than a songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, and a singer, uh, uh, he was, uh, uh, uh he had great ears, of course, mm-hmm. and, uh, he played some good drums, mm-hmm. uh, great piano, uh-huh, that's true, that's true. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and smart, smart man, very intelligent man, you know, beautiful man to talk to, you know. So, uh, yeah, you know, getting a chance to, uh, spend a season with him. Mm-hmm. And like I said, <coughs> excuse me, like I said, uh, I also reuni- reunited with, uh, my friend Odell Brown. That's right. Yeah, who, uh, had, uh, we had played years before in the military. That's right. And uh, so uh that was uh that was something great. Uh and, and you know, we got a chance to uh uh you know, play some solos with him and uh Excellent. you know, he he would uh, respect your musicianship. He, you know. Uh, so he
0: would open up for some soloing and things and some of the charts and the and, the, hmm? and up there. You would open up for solos in some of the charts, huh?
1: Yeah, 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 he would open up, he would open up some of the charts, like I used to enjoy playing uh, I uh, I Want You, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was the one I, uh, you know, used to enjoy playing on, Uh, we did a a little sequence at the end where uh, he would open it up, and uh, I would play, and then he would do a a few bars, and I would answer him, and, you know, so, yeah, it was fun it was uh it was a lot of fun Uh, yeah working with him uh uh, other and i had a chance to work with a lot of other motown artists and artists that were recording that time as a session musician too you know
0: yeah do you mind talking about that because it's a there's a lot of good music in there too some of those some of those sessions
1: yeah well you know uh you you know uh, in LA, you, you have to know the contractors, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you, you know, you want to work, you know, uh, they got guys that will be in call, you know, for the sessions. I mean, well a lot of sessions going on in LA, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, trombone players, there was a lot of trombone, good trombone players that were making these sessions. Yeah. So, you know, when you, so you had to, to, to get tight with the contractors. I mean, you know, you had guys like uh, Joyce Bohanna and uh, uh, Thurman Green and, uh, I, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, and then you had I mean, all the way from JJ on down, you know, the guys would do a recording session. You know? So, uh, you know, I got a chance to, get, to do a lot of recording sessions from, uh, uh, contractors would call uh-huh. uh they have charts sometimes the artist would be there sometimes you just do the tracks yeah. uh, uh, you know I did tracks from everybody from uh Samuel Davis jr to whoever you know I mean we did uh the temptations uh, uh you, you know just a lot of session work going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was in the '70s. Was, right. uh, the, re- the recording scene, was, especially after Motown started uh, relocating out to uh, LA, There was a lot of studio work going on out there. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it's a di- it's certainly a different feeling doing a session as opposed to live performance. Oh, oh yeah, definitely have a different feeling and different. Um, is there anything you want to say about that or about? Uh, um, yes. or about uh, the secret life of plants
1: and Yeah, yeah well, Stephen, well, well yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me just say this about sessions. Yeah. Uh you you had to know who the artist well, what the you know what you know what the artist was looking for. Mm.
2: Uh
1: you had to know who the arranger was or the orchestrator. You had to know uh uh you know who the contractor was, you had to know who who the guys were you know all these things dictated what you would be doing you had to know who you were go- who the other side men was going to be mm-hmm. you know uh and uh and you had to you had to deal with the rangers that were solid mm-hmm. and you had to deal with some arrangers that wrote some stuff that was you know not that applicable to your instrument. <laughs> <laughs> are you? Are you? To,
0: what comes to mind? People not not knowing the ranges or reading. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, right. You know, just stuff that just didn't, just didn't really. You know, not knowing the ranges, uh, the, the, the rhythmically awkward. Uh, huh. You know, you know, I, I, you know, I had, you know, my my, my teachers and my rangers told me, you know, you have to always. You know, take like the player. You know, you, you got to know when it's the, if you're writing the trumpet part, you got to know if the fingering is weird. Mm-hmm. If, if you write something for a clarinet, you got to know that there's certain parts on that clarinet where the fingering gets real weird. Mm-hmm. So, so you so you know, a good arranger knows this.
2: Yeah.
1: But if you got a guy writing some stuff, you know, like if you got the trombone going from all all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so but 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 you know you learn pretty quick who the good who the guys the, the good guys are. Now now as far as the secret life of plants and Stephen Wonder goes, uh, that was a uh, major 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 production.
2: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: They played. Uh, it was not too many performances of that. Uh, I think they played some East Coast uh, and some Midwest cities. And then they swung I didn't play those by the way. Okay. Uh uh and then they swung out west. I think we played uh uh up in the Bay Area, San Diego and LA. Well Pasadena, LA. Uh but it was a uh, uh it was a full production. I mean it was a symphony orchestra. Mm-hmm. Basic basically it was a symphony orchestra uh with Stephen Band. Mm-hmm uh and uh, uh, choir. Uh-huh. Uh, uh I mean it was uh it was it was major. Uh and the charts were uh pretty much the same charts that were on the recording. Uh-huh. Uh I think uh and I, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think the music director was Paul Rider. Huh. And uh uh I think he did he he reorchestrated some things for us. Uh, we didn't do a lot of rehearsing hmm. because that would have been ridiculous. <laughs> because you know? of time or so, because
0: of yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what
1: we did, I think, if I remember correctly, uh, uh, sexual leaders called us in. We went over the difficult passages and stuff like that. You know, stuff we had to look out for. Uh, and the rest of it, we just went to went to work. Yeah. You know. just just hit it, you know. You know. Uh, but that was an experience because uh, it was unique.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they they were labeling it the uh, Afro Afro American Philharmonic. I mean, you know, it was some some pretty serious stuff.
2: Yeah. You mm-hmm. know.
0: Well, I well, I love the music on that, and I I, I, I kind of get angry when I read you know some of the things people said about it. You know, and you know because people didn't they didn't get. I don't know if it was universally embraced or understood. or followed,
1: Well, but, but well that, you yeah. know, whenever, whenever you have uh, something uh, that controversial, when I say controversial, I mean, you got Steve in, you know, you got people who want to keep Steve in to the you know, small group and you got people that are curious as far as film scores, you know, you know, you can't please everybody. That's
2: true.
1: Uh, but uh, I think, overall, uh, it was a unique and a major effort. Oh, yeah, it's incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. people people need to give it, uh, you know, people need to give it a serious listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, See, so, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it should be programmed... Uh, it should be programmed with uh, symphony orchestras uh, oh, absolutely. absolutely. You, you know uh that's that that's one of the things that uh that that always bothered me you know like Definitely. a lot of a lot of a lot of music a lot of music uh, gets lost because it's uh uh it, it doesn't get uh opportunity mm-hmm. to be exposed properly
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh uh, and you know, you know, you know the
2: labels and
1: the categories and the, and the this and the that and the genres and yeah, all that. Uh, you know, the, all the, it's like all the isms, right? The yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like I all mean, the isms.
1: The, well, the, yeah, it's a... the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The record companies The record companies will do it. The publications do it. The Musicians themselves do it. You know, which is uh, unfortunate. That's, uh, because uh, you know a, a, a lot of negativism comes in out, out of that. You know, like uh, like Miles said one time. You know, you you mention jazz and your salary go down. You know, uh, you mention certain type of music and uh, you know people automatically, without even thinking about it, you know, put you in. a... Uh, on a certain venue, mm-hmm. you, you know, and uh, uh, you wind up, uh, you know. I think you, I think you wind up losing when that happens. Yeah. Well, that that
0: makes me think of uh, your splash album, <laughs> right? <In> well. 1980. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that. because that—that's an album that's just uh, is unlike. I don't think much else in, in Freddie Hubbard's discography that I can think of. Well, yeah, and, that's, you and know, that's your album, uh, and it's uh, a.
1: Yeah. Well, you see that album. Uh, that that album was. I won't say it was an experiment, but but that album was uh, something that that was a little off track from what Freddie normally does what the record company would, would normally do also yeah. you know uh and uh you know we had we butted heads with the record companies uh for that uh we,
2: we you know i mean that that,
0: that that surprises me again because that album is just a great album on so many levels it's a it's a it's a it's got good good playing, but it's also danceable and it's got um Dude, I mean, it's a very, it's you know, it's a very solid album. So,
1: what was the, what was the, what was the fight about? it? what was the uh, budding house? <laughs> well, the very, one like, of the, one of the fights was about the the budget. Uh-huh. You know, like like if you go you go to that was Freddie's album up there. We were supposed to do several albums, and that album wound up not causing us not to do any more up there because you see, they when you said like when you said Freddie Hubbard, they were looking for. They want a, like, something like a quintet, a sex tale or something. Mm-hmm. And the friend no, we, I, you know, I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, and we want to try something different. And what we want to do is we want to do something different and we want to build off of that. We want to let that, we want to let this be what we do at Fantasy. I he says, mm-hmm. I, "I do enough, I do enough uh, small group albums and stuff that, let's, Let's do something else. So uh, we butted heads on the budget. Uh, We never, you know, I I, I never really got the final mixes I wanted. Really? I mean, I was close. Uh But I never really got what, Freddie or I got what we really, really wanted out of that album. You know, we got like in the 80s, 70 80 percentile out of that, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, we who, got a lot out of it, but we didn't get what we were really trying to get out of that uh, album.
0: Who, who brought Jeannie G- Tracy on? There's some great singing on there. There's a, there's a, uh, I, I
1: think, I think, uh, I, I think I was talking with Harvey, uh, uh, you know, the guy, they, there was some people up there. Family, you know, they, it was a good family. Yeah, it was a good family up there. Uh, you know, uh, so somebody, somebody mentioned her, uh, and uh, we sent her the material, and she she decided to do good people too.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, she decided to do it. We uh, uh, brought her on. We had. uh, uh we have some great musicians on that album. Yep. That's true. Yeah, we have some We have some we have the cream of the crop. Yep. On that, people listen to that album and listen to some of those tracks. You <laughs> know. Fantasy, uh, Fantasy did little or no promotion. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, they didn't have a side on it. They, they didn't have a side at all uh, mm. on, on that. It just, it's just,
0: again, very weird they would not promote an album like that.
1: Because an yeah, album like that I, probably would probably get, get a lot of right. play, radio play, I would think. Yeah, it was politic, But uh, the only thing about you know, like, one thing I always look at, though, so I look at those albums, if they would stand the test of time, mm-hmm. you know, like those albums are still being played on YouTube I and somewhere right now. So you uh, <laughs> know that that's enough. That's enough for me to know that you know it, it, it was worth the effort. You know.
0: Yeah, it's, I see here that both Jim Keltner and James Gladson were on drums, and David T. Walker on guitar. Oh, so yeah. di- different drummers I guess would come on in different tracks right I guess Yeah you
1: know, in, yeah, yeah. yeah. we had Jim Clark. we had Jim Kelton on there and uh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we we had a different uh keyboard on there uh, uh yeah we we had we had good players we, yep. we, had, we had good good players um uh, Fred and Freddie and, and I played some of the horn parts ourselves Yep. Yeah, you know we because we just wanted to do something different. You know, have some fun. We enjoy playing those background parts, too. Yeah. I remember Fred and I doing the overdubs on those. You mm-hmm. know, I um, remember you know,
0: I brought this up to you before, but speaking of background figures, uh, what George Cable's wrote for you you on um, Liquid Love is fantastic. Just these little these little Charlie Parker things. Oh in
1: the, yeah. In the I love. Yeah, I love. I love. Uh, uh, what cables uh, wrote for me. See, he, see, that's an example.
0: He knows how to write for the from Yeah, he? right, right.
1: See, that that's a good example of what we were saying. Yeah, he know, he know, but you know, he knows know what to do, how to make the sound, the horn sing. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, he he yeah, his his parts that he wrote were fantastic. I enjoyed playing them. I told him about it too. Uh huh.
0: That's great. So, so you 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 re-releasing things or things that have not been released now? Is this true? A label in Britain? Is this Love Thoughts? Is this? Do you want to talk about that or that session or well, coming out? Or? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I just had
1: that released. Uh, we had a, a band that we had uh, uh, back in the late seventies. Uh, you know, I I was always trying to, you know, even though I'm working with a lot of different people, I was always you know, doing my thing, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and I've, you know, continued to, you know, do things with the, uh, electronics, uh, with the MIDI, uh, you know, with the, you know, where the music goes, that's where I go. Okay. You know, uh, but yeah, we did that, uh, uh, back in the seventies and, and we got hit with the same thing, you know, record companies, uh, didn't have didn't have a place for us, you know. They didn't have a category for us, yeah. you know. So it's all about the category. So
0: you're you're saying that uh, there's a difference between how music history and um, musicians they 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 actually will sit something will sit in the vault. It won't be released if they can't slap a label on it. The label that they that they want to slap
1: on I, it. Or? I, I can I can think of so many things that I've been on huh. that have not seen the light of day. Wow. Uh, uh, I did some stuff with Johnny Hammond
2: hmm. uh,
1: uh, over in New York with Creed uh, Taylor for CTI. Do you, do, you mean,
0: do you mean Johnny Hammond? Well, we didn't talk about your work with him. You mean the keyboardist and organist? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh my right. God. Don't, don't, yeah. don't let the system get you down. You own yeah. Map? Oh yeah. We had a
1: good relationship. I did several albums with Johnny.
0: He's kind of underrated. Talk about him as a leader and a band leader because his music was tight.
1: Yeah we, went on the, yeah. yeah, we went on the road with Johnny Q. Uh that's that's uh that's where, uh, you know, I mean we, we had a good band. Carl Randall was in that band, Mel Bolt. Wow. Uh Fritz Wise, Tony Dumas.
0: Tony Dumas the bassist, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, we
1: had yeah, we had a good band with Johnny Hammer. We went on the road with that band. Uh what but, did you uh, what did you
0: play and how much did you stretch out on some of these tunes? Like shifting gears, or would you play stretch out for solos and get the? Uh,
1: yeah, we, uh, when we were on the road, everybody played. Mm. You know, on the recordings, they were a little tighter. Yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, Johnny, uh, Johnny was in an awkward position. Hmm. Uh, you see, it was the same thing, almost like Freddie. Hmm. You know everybody wanted him to play on B three. Well, I think he wanted to play other keyboards. Right? He That's right. To play. That's exactly what I'm saying. He wanted to, he wanted to he wanted play wanted to do other things. Yeah. He he wanted to do other things. You can't you can't keep a person yeah. boxed up
0: That's right. all the
1: time like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, how much B three can you play?
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, you can, I mean, you know, some people, that's what they do. You know, they play B3, that's what they do. They play B3 from day one (laughs) to day eight. At the time. That's that's all right. That's okay. I I don't have a problem with that. Some people don't want to do that. Some people want to do what they want, what they hear. And Johnny was hearing all kinds of stuff. And we got, we got, Johnny, I did so much stuff. Johnny was a prolific recorder. Wow. We recorded stuff with Fantasy. Yeah. Well, or keeping this, I never, I, I, I mean, tracks upon tracks. I never heard of what happened to good stuff. Hmm. We did stuff with Creed Taylor over that CTI that had a had a Joe Henderson on it. Wow. Uh, what's the what's the trumpet player name?
2: Uh,
1: oh. Art Farmer. Art Farmer. Oh, oh yeah. So you,
2: you got, got to work with good.
1: Art Farmer. Uh. What Al Foster was playing
0: drums. I mean, we got some good stuff. But no, 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 You know, Johnny Johnny Hammond was already playing Rhodes in the early 70s. I mean, at least I know of him playing Rhodes in some of the Hollywood ball things. Yeah, or with CTI. the CTI tour. Yeah, that tour, and he played Rhodes on that. Yeah, And yeah. he sounds good on Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Um, good writer, hope, too. He is a good writer. Yeah. Did he yeah. write? Did he write those the, the lyrics of the song "Don't Let the System Get You Down"? And yeah, so, he wrote like,
2: the lyrics. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Those are good songs. Yeah, he wrote the lyrics, and uh, uh, he, uh, he 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 wanted to he wanted to orchestrate a little beyond what his abilities were writing and stuff out, but but he but he did some adventurous stuff. Mm-hmm you know he he was pushing the envelope in other words mm-hmm. yeah he was he was uh yeah he was pushing it quite a bit, but uh yeah a lot of that stuff is uh uh like like- like black jazz mm-hmm. uh like c t i and like fantasy uh a lot of that stuff is uh, stuck in the vault somewhere, you know. But I was mad. all of the stuff that I did, not all of it, but most of the stuff I did, I managed to keep on my masters. Good. You know? So uh, uh, a lot of it has gotten lost or uh, uh, weather damaged or whatnot. But right now we're looking for a couple more tracks from that period to, uh, so my label over in the UK can go ahead and release it.
0: Well, I'm happy they did that because this is my first time hearing Love Thoughts. And I'll be happy if there's a couple of other tunes from you uh, with that band with Cedric Lawson and um, and Dugu Chandler and a, what a band. Yeah, it was a good band. Good band. And also it's smooth. You know, you're writing <laughs> Love Thoughts is just a, it's just a great ballad. Very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very simple, but very evocative. It's like, you know, I'm going to. Yeah,
1: gonna yeah. It yeah we tried to make uh, we tried to make what we did different and uh the most important thing I had in mind when I put that group together was uh the fact that these guys were unique in their own way and they had never really played together as a group so I knew. That bringing that particular combination of guys together, I was going to get something unique. I knew it. I mean, it was inevitable. What well,
0: What's the UK label that was releasing these? What's the name
1: it's of the
2: label?
1: The label is called Super Disco Edits. That's
2: it's
1: a great a, name. Super Disco. Yeah, it, it's a name. It's a label that uh, that does uh, unissued material, uh, mostly rhythm and blues and soul. Right. Uh, this is one of the first jazz things that uh, they've done. that they've done. Yeah. Uh, so, so that they are they specialize in doing unissued, uh, seeking out masters that were never released. Uh,
0: did did some of Splash" get played in discos or any other uh, things that you were involved with in that period? Get disco play or dance dance play that you know of, that you can think of.
1: Did we get disco play?
0: Yeah, disco play or dance play or play for that that kind uh, of well, Yeah, I, I mean, look,
1: we uh, splash uh, splash got a lot of splash was on a twelve inch and forty five. Okay, uh, uh, you know it it was played in clubs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you know it made the club. I and mean, look, it was out there. We just you know you have, you had to push records in those days. Mm-hmm. You know, Promotion Man had to get out. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of music out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so we went as far as we could go. But yeah, I mean, I did a lot of uh, disco stuff. Uh, uh, I, I Don't Want to Dance Tonight with Marilyn McLeod. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was on Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I did a string arrangement uh, for that. That got a that was a big club that
0: was a big club record. You, you wrote know. you wrote for strains on that.
1: Yeah, right. I did strains on that. How
0: do you um, how do you like to write for strains? What's your approach? How in terms of background figures or any any thought
1: anything you want to say about that? <laughs> Well, uh no, no, I just uh you know, I just like you know, I just like strains do what they do, That's you know. Right. Uh uh, you know, just use the techniques that, that they do. You know, let them sing out. And, mm-hmm. You know, let them play pizzicata, and uh, <laughs> you know and whatever. You know, I just let them do what they do. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, I don't have any uh, particular string, uh style technique, but you know, uh, you know. You, you look at the, you know, you look at the, the orchestra scores, you know. You you look and you listen, you see what the strings be doing, you know. Then you say, oh, "Okay," and you know, you you kind of get an idea, you know. Uh, I've done a lot of string writing because, huh. you know, you, you I mean, you know, you have to you have to write for the for the strings, you know. Hmm. So I try to write for the instrument, huh. but I also. Along those lines, that's what ensembles I try to write for the instrument. Uh, but when it comes to small groups and and musicians, I write for the player.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, like uh I I knew that uh, I knew that on blue lights, I knew that uh Oscar Brashear was gonna be playing trumpet. So I knew what I you know, I I knew what what I can, you know, what I can get, you know, you can't just write that for any trumpet player. <laughs> That's a hard part, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it's a good. T- you got, you got to know what your players can do. You know, you got mm. to know that they can go up there and grab them high notes whenever they, whenever they want to. You know, uh, you, you got to know that if you going to write a part for for an oboe or something, you got to know Charles Owens gonna be there.
2: Mm. You
1: know, you, you can't. T- you know, you got to know. You got the right for the players, and mm. see the players appreciate that. Mm. You know, the players appreciate when you give them a part that is kind of for them a lot. Them. A, a lot of times, like like when I was playing with Horace Tapscott, for instance, uh, we never had anything like first trombone, second trumpet, or uh, the tenor sax. They put your name on the part. Okay.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When just I was thinking,
1: playing with 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 got Tapscott, that uh, Pan African People's Orchestra. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, we. You, you put the person's name on the, the on the part that was their part. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a trombone or, or that. So they
0: so they own it. It's personalized.
1: Yeah. So it, was, yes. it would
0: say it would say Al Hall Jr. on the top of it. Yeah, band. we just yeah, Al, whatever it was
1: they called yeah. that's what it would be. You yeah. know. And uh, I wrote a couple of things for his group, too, and that was something I really enjoyed doing because you got a chance to uh, uh, write for uh, the players. Uh, now, that's another band that uh, got tons of stuff in the archives. I think they'd be in the store at UCLA at the, t- at the moment in the library over there. Huh. Uh, but uh, that that that's a wealth of music. Right there. Uh, it's a shame that uh, they don't have more community orchestras like uh, Horace Tabscott had. They should have one in every city, you know. Oh yeah. You know where uh, it's a community orchestra. You know, you, you know, you come in, you, you know, you play up to your level. You come in, you experienced with guys that play uh, better than you. It's uh, no gendered separation mm-hmm. you know, you just come in and, and play and play music and what not uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we just don't have that uh, uh, you know, like to like you say, you know every major city has a symphony orchestra
2: mm-hmm.
1: you see every major city should have a community orchestra too, you know, a uh, community jazz band mm-hmm. uh, uh, or something like that to play the repertoire, you know. Yeah. So the music can get played. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? But uh, you know, that's 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 where we are now.
0: Mind as we talk about uh, anything we, we we should have covered that uh, we didn't.
1: Well, or... I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, you know, thanks for giving me a chance to uh, share my you know experiences with you. Uh, I really can't think of anything uh, uh, that's significant that we haven't talked about. Cause you know there's always stories and things that you could could talk about but i think we hey, I, hey, do
0: you want to do you want to share any road stories before we go or anything that gets unusual or i don't know food or accommodations or anything i don't know anything
2: is that a, anything
1: well you, you know being on the road is is a, is a, is a unique experience you know and,
2: and
1: uh, you know and that depends too on the uh, on the on the level of the group uh, that you're with, you know, like when we were Johnny Hammond, you know, we were on the road, we were in a van, you know, hmm. we, had a, we had a van, you know. Uh, but then you you know you 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 were on the road with Ray. Uh, at the time I was in the band, he had his own plane, hmm. you know. Uh, we stayed in pretty much first class hotels, but you know like you know you go on the road with some group you know you get a motel, you know mm-hmm. uh uh but it it it, it depends on the uh, on, you know on the group that you're with and uh, how successful uh the group is uh, you know they always uh uh i'm sure every musician that's been on the road has a, a bunch of road stories they mm-hmm. can tell you know everything from misplacing your passport to uh, you know, uh maybe drinking too much, or, uh, you know, it's always some stuff, but uh uh the road affects each person uh differently. And as a matter of mm-hmm. fact, the road is not good for some people. Some 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 people uh uh make out very well on the road. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, that's what that's what most of the musicians did back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were on the road. Mm-hmm. And, And and the devastating part of that was a one-nighter. Yeah. You know. Uh, If you could uh, look up and get a week somewhere or something like that, get a chance to settle down, that was good. Uh, But I've done one-nighters and I've, you know, done kind of things like in-residence where you just went there and you were there for a month or two, Mm
2: -hmm. you know. So
0: Did you like that, being in the place for a while so you can sort of lock lock in
1: and... Yeah, yeah, that's, sure. uh, uh, that's all right, you know. And, of course, it depends on what you're <laughs> <Like a place. laughs> to true. Now
0: that yeah. I think of it, they could lock you into a, yeah, yeah, a kind of sure a man hotel or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't sure know.
1: know. But, uh, yeah, uh, we, we went to, uh, with like with Ray Charles, uh, at that time, the Iron Curtain was still in play. You know, I know we had to, uh, when we had to go behind the Iron Curtain, it was... Huh. Uh, uh, wow. Yeah, it was Yugoslavia and stuff back then, you know. Uh, how how, it was, did, how uh, did
0: folks respond to the music if you were in Kiev or if you were in Yugoslavia? Oh,
1: oh they, I, they, look, I, it's amazing. Ray Charles, it's Ray Charles. They knew all the songs. Mm-hmm. You know, they sang along mm-hmm. in, in English. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, uh, uh, it, that's one thing about it. Uh, that when they say universal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, most of the time when I went out of, out of the country, uh, um, uh, well received, uh, yeah. you know, I have too many, uh, too many bad stories, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, about, about being out of the country. Uh, they, I can just say they really loved the music, uh, uh, in Europe. Uh, you know, we got a lot of respect, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, we were really appreciated, uh, I think in many places over there we were more appreciated than some of the stuff we had here in our own country. That's what that's what people say, musicians say all the time about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they seem to uh maybe it's because they they don't get the, the opportunity to, to experience it as often. Uh, they're not as used to it, but you get the feeling that they get that, that they respect it a little more. In many in many cases.
0: talk some more we can I don't know I enjoyed well, this uh, we, we failed to mention Patrick Williams who died in 2018 and I know there's a lot a lot
1: to mention well but, yeah, you know we can talk I a mean, little about Patrick just a little I, I uh I got a chance to meet Patrick because uh, a good friend of his uh Bill Pate that's was right. uh, uh over they, you know they were at Duke together in that uh, music program over there and uh, uh, Bill took me up there a couple of times because uh, uh, Bill lived uh, here in Jacksonville for a while, and uh, we became very good friends. Great and player, trombone trombonist so.
0: Well, Bill, and, uh, Bill I mean, one, I mean, he wrote fast, right? I mean, in terms of prolific and can write really fast. I guess like Patrick Williams. I guess, yeah. Not,
1: I guess from yeah, 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 yeah. He and Patrick were cut from the same cloth. They, they were, they were, they were, they were buddies. I mean, you know. They were, they, you know, they were, they wrote similar, uh, uh and see these guys, uh, uh, I mean, they used to write halftime shows for bands, mm-hmm. uh, uh they, that's how they made money. I mean, they, 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 were writing music for North Carolina State and North uh-huh. Carolina, you, you know, Duke, and, uh-huh. uh, you know, they had to write shows every week, and uh, I mean, they, they, these guys. You know, so Patrick Williams, once Patrick Williams got out to L.A. and all of that stuff, Patrick, Patrick Williams had already, you know, cut his chops on, I mean, you yeah. know, writing for L.A. probably was nothing for Patrick. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were writing chops for that uh, band up there at Duke. That's right. So, you're,
0: so you're saying when Patrick Williams wrote uh, the Bob New York show and Mary Taylor Moore and Streets of San Francisco, that was after having written... Written yeah, do- yeah,
1: yeah, of- yeah, yeah, yeah. That was how. That was that was how they used to write. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, you that's why you can. You know, I, I used to say, yeah, that Patrick stuff. You know, right there. Uh, a uh, uh, Bill. You know, used to tell me how they used to. They had a formula how they used to write. You know how they. You know they they had they had little tricks they used to use. You know, mm. and uh, uh, but yeah, Patrick Patrick Wiggins. He's uh. uh he, he's one of those guys that uh, people don't know that much. You know, they know him from the, the shows you mentioned mm-hmm. and from his work and motion pictures and whatnot. Yeah. They don't know he uh, used to write for, for marching bands at Duke oh. and, and,
2: and, and over there at
1: North North Carolina University and all that. <laughs> you know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, uh, Mitch. Uh...
0: Well, it's all music, so you know. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. Know what the...
1: Whole well, whole you know, segment. before we leave, Mitch, yes, I just it. wanted to say, too, that, uh, you know, I appreciate you, uh, uh, you know, what, what you were writing that, uh, piece for us. Yes. Uh, well, and, I'm going to, uh, I'm going
0: to come to uh, Florida and see what we can do.
1: Yeah. I'm well, going uh, to come
0: down to visit you there and see
2: what,
1: uh. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll work something out, uh, uh, you know, even if I, uh, you know, uh, we'll look at the final product and, uh uh you know if my health issue uh won't allow me to do it uh, we we'll, we'll, we'll get it performed there's no need for you to do all that writing and not and not get a performance out of it so That's we'll look into mean. that and see see what see see what we can do on that but I appreciate you thinking about me on that
0: oh absolutely Well, I just appreciate getting to meet you in person and you know I, as you know I grew up part of my life in Florida in the 70s so Oh, okay. You like coming back home in a way.
2: All right. Although I
0: don't know Jacksonville as well as I know Tampa, but um, but
2: I'll be yeah. going there. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, you know, uh, you can either stop on your way, or I have, I have some friends and relatives in Tampa, so <laughs> one way or other, we can uh, manage to test bases.
0: I look forward to it, Sanifu, since, since and I look. I'm glad you came on my show. It was an honor to have you okay um, like thank you you're making this a show it's supposed to be it's meant to be so wow thank you, thank you guys for having you. me all right thank you
1: all right take care, take care.